0: Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Over the next few weeks, as we continue our study in the book of Revelation, we are going to be entering into this phase of worship, of this heavenly worship experience that happens there as John takes us on this journey and helps us understand what's happening as he writes this letter. And so for us as a church, what I want to encourage us to do today, we're going to see some amazing things. And I hope that one, you're encouraged and just the Lord speaks to your heart in a special way. But I want to invite all of us as a church to enter what we are calling a 30 days of worship challenge, 30 days of worship. Here's what that looks like for us as a church. I want to encourage you, I'm not going to make you, it's not going to be a rule or a law, but I want to encourage you over the next 30 days that the music you listen to, change it to worship music for the next 30 days. I know we all have different styles. For me, my, my, when I study, for like when I preach, my, I, my study music is this, it's called lo-fi um, hip-hop beats. Um, and it's just rap beats with no lyrics, and that's what I study too. Um, so it's just beats going on. It, I don't know why I like it. That's just my preference. So I asked Josh, "Hey, is it okay like he's my boss." To, to, like I just like, "What do you think?" And he's like, whatever you want." And I'm like, I took that as, I should, let's I need I'm I'm this is me too. I'm joining. I love worship music." Um, And so over the next 30 days, now here's also how that's going to look. We're going to have different weeks that are going to have different themes for the next 30 days. So here's that breakdown. I want to encourage you, it's it's on, if you scan that barcode in front of you, it's all of the information is there. Um, They're also here. So you can take a picture of that. For those of you who want a picture of this, go for it. So week one, that's starting today. We've got a, I forgot the books again. We have some book suggestions for you that are on that. If you scan that barcode in front of you or go to our website, it'll be there. But we have a couple book suggestions for you along with our, this is one of them, The Air I Breathe by a guy named Louis Giglio. We have another one called 31 Days of Praise by Ruth Meyer. Um, Those are the two books. Thank you, Tony for having that available for whoever. Mariah, thank you for having that available. I appreciate that. Um, and then also we've got a Spotify playlist of all the worship music that we play here at City View. So you can join us that way. Week 2, February 25th through the 2nd, um, we are going to, as a church, do a worship devotion together through the YouVersion Bible app. So if you follow us, if you get our texts or you get our emails... Um, we're gonna send that out through there so that we can all do this together. So I encourage you, if you don't get our texts, you don't get our emails, then you won't know. I don't know how we're gonna post it, but I know it's gonna go through those avenues. So make sure you sign up for that. You can do that on that barcode as well. Um, And then week three, we're going to open up the auditorium here, the sanctuary here. Um, Every morning from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., we're going to have worship music playing. And then we have four different people that are writing um, a a devotion for that day of guided worship and prayer and praise to the Lord. Um, And we're going to do that here in the sanctuary from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. This room will be open um, Monday through Thursday. And then we're going to close it off on March 15th, the last week. We're going to be doing a night of worship here, March 15th. That's a Friday night. So join us. So this is our um, 30 days of worship. And um, as we go into Revelation chapter 4 and 5 of the next couple weeks, the reason why is here's why. I believe that when we worship the Lord and we make God first and even more things in our lives, because when he's holy, he's worthy, he saved us, he loves us, he gives you life. He wants to encourage you every single day. I think sometimes the, the I don't know about you, but have you ever had, I, I, there used to be this game I played back when I played video games. What was it called? I don't even know. It was a race car game. And there was a song that would play. And anytime that song would play in my car, guess what I tended to do? Drove faster. I don't know why something in me made me want to do that. Does all music do that? No. But there's some music. Anybody have some music ever make you sad? Anybody have some music ever make you angry? Anybody have some music just to take you to some kind of emotion? Here's what I believe. I fully believe that when we change and we we start putting worship music into our hearts every single day, I fully believe that God will meet you in a very special way like you've never been before. Am I gonna give you a certain kind of worship? No, we do have some suggestions. We're gonna make it fun. We're gonna do some polls on social media. We're gonna ask you what's your favorite worship song. Josh is gonna pick a different one each week. Um, We got videos, so follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all those kind of things. So that's it um Revelation chapter four. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Revelation chapter four. If you've not been here in a while, that's okay. We are in the we are in the middle or in the beginning of a study of the book of Revelation. Um, we've been in this for a couple weeks now. We just finished chapter three. So, if you if you want to go and listen to the past few um, sermons, um, those can be found on YouTube and also found on podcast or Podbean. I'd love for you to hear and just watch and see what God has been doing. Um, today, we're in Revelation chapter 4. And as we read Revelation chapter 4, we are now entering this vision of, of John now going to the throne room of God. And this week as I was studying, I you know, I do tons of research. And I know there's all different learning styles. Some of us are analytical. We want, like, written, like, de- definitions. And we want, like... We love graphs. We love all that kind of stuff. Some of us are more visual learners, videos and things like that, pictures. I try really hard to reach every kind of learner possible. So I found this video that is somebody reading Revelation chapter 4 and giving some pictural, like, explanation behind it. Hello? So this Revelation 4, what it is, it's somebody reading, and then he's put images behind it. So I hope you enjoy This video. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. And God, as we enter into this next chapter of Revelation, Lord, I ask that you would soften and open hearts that we might hear and see from you. And Holy Spirit, may you fill this room as you already are, but may you impact hearts and open minds that that we might see this, that this day is coming, that you are holy and that you are sitting on your throne right now and that you are the great and almighty, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus, I ask that as we, um, Lord, go throughout this book of Revelation that you administer to us, God, you promise to bless those who read and bless those who hear and bless those who do. So, Lord, I ask that threefold blessing. God, I ask that you bless churches throughout the valley today. Lord, I pray for the Bridge Church, Eric over there, and Aaron at Journey Church, and I pray for uh, Jason over at Heritage, and Mark at Calvary, and Lord, ask your blessings upon us here at City View, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, so if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, you can scan that barcode, go to our uh, YouVirgin Bible app or Not ours, but the Uversion Bible app. You could follow along there. All the notes are going to be there. All my key points, just some of the pictures that I have um, uh, that that you're going to see here in a little bit. Um, but I, I hope I, I, my I have an imagination. I would love to use it. Um, and I hope that this, as as we read through, I hope that that video. Now, granted, that that's some artists, bunch of artists. Some of them are terrible pictures. I some of them are like Josh. I know it's cheesy, but is it too cheesy? He's like, I think it serves a good purpose. It'll help. I'm like, okay. Some. Of, I wish Carly and Mariah could have made their own. Like Carly could have drawn it all because she would have killed it. But I had the idea Wednesday, and I didn't want to ask her to do that on Wednesday. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. But I thought about it. Um, but I hope that as we study this chapter that that your eyes and your hearts and your minds might see how amazing and how glorious the throne room of God is. Verse 1, after these things, I looked and behold, now John is speaking, that he is the writer, he is a follower of Jesus. He said, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard, which is Jesus like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. This John here in verse one of chapter four, John gives us a timestamp of, of sort of how things are progressing in the book of Revelation. I don't know how many of you remember, but in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, God gave John an outline for the book of Revelation. This is how verse 19 reads in chapter 1. God says to John, John, therefore, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. So God tells John these three things. He says, write down, and if you're taking notes or you have your journal Bibles with you, take these notes, take a picture of this. God says to John, write the things which you have seen. That's, John, right now what you see that I'm telling you in chapter one of Revelation. Write the things that you've seen. So that's the throne, that's the almighty, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Write down the things that you see. You see the mighty King Jesus. That's what he sees in chapter one. And then he says, now write the things which are. That's what takes place in John in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The churches that are alive at that time in history while John is writing in around 90 AD. So the things which are. That's the things, that's the churches, that's the different churches that we've been studying over the past few weeks here at City View. So if if you've missed any of those sermons on the different churches, I encourage you go rewatch or listen to so you have an understanding of what's going on. So that's all past. And then he says in in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19, now write the things which will take place. God tells John, I want you to write down future things now, things that have yet to happen, things that will happen, things that will take place. We are now in a period of the book of Revelation from this point on through the end, it's all future. None of it has happened yet. None of it, is, it has taken place. The voice that John hears is the same voice that he heard in chapter one, the voice of Jesus calling out. Verse two of chapter four. John writes, Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. John, now in this moment in verse two, John is taken to heaven. Some believe he's physically taken sort of like what you would see in the in the TV show or the movie Star Trek, where John is beamed up. He's on earth and he's beamed up to heaven and he's there in physical form. Not many, not many scholars believe that, but some believe that that's what happens. Most scholars believe that in some spiritual form, whether a vision or in a spiritual sense that John has taken and experiences these things in like a dreamlike state, or a vision, but somehow in God's spiritual almighty way, God can do whatever he wants in this moment, but John is taken; and he's seeing these spiritual things. As we read Revelation chapter four, if you have that journal Bible, I wanna encourage you to underline every time you see the word throne you're gonna notice that this is a highlight of the, the, it, the word throne, depending on the translation you read, um, it's mentioned between 11 and 14 times alone in this one chapter. Over 40 times throughout the book of Revelation. Speaking of the mighty throne, a throne was where power, a throne was where authority, a throne is where somebody reigned and ruled and had dominion. And this throne room, we are now entered the throne room of God. And Jesus is on the throne, and Jesus is the focus of this vision. Jesus is the focus of this dream. And I know we've we've had we've heard stories, we've watched movies, we've read books about people dying, or they say they die and they went to heaven, and they see their friends, their past, their cousins, and all these things. And their uncle told them, "Go back." I'm the oh, here's what I know of truth. I know that according to the Bible, there's a couple of people who died and then came back to earth. And I know they gave their accounts. Paul told us in Corinthians that he says, I died and I went to the third heaven, but I cannot tell you anything because it's too, it's too marvelous for me to tell you. He wrote most of the New Testament. That's what Paul said. John, who writes Revelation, who is not dead, but he's in this heavenly state. All he talks about is everything Jesus tells him to talk about. His focus, though, throughout the whole thing is Jesus on the throne, not on any random person, not on any mission that he's supposed to do. It's all on Jesus, that Jesus is coming, and that he's reigning. So in those those moments, I tell you, be cautious. Be cautious with those books. Be cautious with those movies. I highly doubt they're true. I'm not going to say they're not, but I'm just going to say I doubt it. According to what the Bible says, I don't see any evidence of that in the Bible. We don't see Lazarus. We don't see any book of Lazarus. He's a man who died, and Jesus brought back to life. He did not tell any stories about his, of that. He did not say anything. We um, see there's a couple others. Uh, there's a couple little kids who die, and God brings them back to life. No stories like that ever happen. Okay, there. So John is in the spirit, he's transferred into the throne room. Now, here's one thing that we we no longer see in the book of Revelation. From chapter one to chapter three, the church, the church of, the church of, of those believers who believe in Jesus Christ, who follow him, they have been mentioned throughout the whole thing. But from chapter four till chapter 19, they're not mentioned again. Some believe there's no there's no reason to look into that some believe it's just that's just that's just circumstance it's just they're just not mentioned many believe the reason why the church is not mentioned is because the church is no longer on earth meaning not this building not like every church building gets taken up to heaven but every person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ that God takes them home to him before what we call this time of tribulation on earth which is what revelation chapter 4 through revelation chapter 22, that's what this talks about, this tribulation, this hell on earth, God's wrath on earth that comes. So as we are entering into this, what, what we are entering into a time of, it's this time of, of end times and things like this. So what happens from this point on in the book of Revelation is we're entering this period called the tribulation. And there's going to be some slides behind me. The tribulation, it speaks of seven years of terrible things that happen on earth. It's going to open up when we're going to study all this. We're going to be looking at this over the next few months here at City View as we study the book of Revelation. So Revelation, um, from, from this point on, we're going to see uh, these different terrible things that happen. But for the first like three, three and a half years, it's not that bad. Some of you, this is you're very new to Revelation. You're going to, I'm going to try my best to give you the best exposition of the passages um, through Revelation. So it starts with three and a half years of not so bad, and then God's wrath is released on earth. Because if they have, how many of you ever thought, God, you know, when somebody kidnaps, they rape somebody, they do terrible things, you're like, God, why do you let that happen? God is patient and long-suffering. Patient and long-suffering. But his wrath is terrible. So there will be a moment where God's wrath will come on all sin and all consequences will be taken care of. All those things. So there's going to be this three and a half years of terrible things. Now, during this time, there is this, there, I also want to share with you sort of this idea of what a word called eschatology. Eschatology is the, the theology. It's the, the knowing of end times. There are three main um, ideas or teachings or understandings of what the end times might look like. The first is there's a time called the pre, this is all an understanding of when the church, why the church is not mentioned in Revelation chapter four through 19. Where did the church go? What happened to the church? Is the church, our believers gonna live through the tribulation or not? What's that look like? And that's, there's lots of different beliefs. There's lots of different understandings. I'm gonna share with you three of the main ones. And then I'm gonna share with you the one I think is, is true and why I believe what I believe. The first one is called pre-tribulation rapture. That is The rapture is the study of, or it's, the, it's a word meaning the church is taken up. The church is not here. Pre-tribulation rapture means the church is taken before the tribulation happens. Mid-tribulation rapture means it's, it's the idea that the church is taken midway through the tribulation. The other one is post-tribulation, which means the church stays throughout the seven years of tribulation and then they go to the judgment with everybody else. That's at that point where there's all the different judgments which we're gonna study in a little bit. These are all the different understandings of when the church might be taken to heaven. There's an understanding, there's a word that is used in some churches and the word is rapture. Now this word is not in the Bible at all. The word is not mentioned not one time in the Bible the actual word. But neither is the word Trinity not mentioned at all in the Bible. Nowhere can you find the word Trinity. But we can find the truth of the triune God, meaning God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You see the truth of it, but not one time do we see the word there. We see, and so I believe, I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I I don't have a problem with mid-tribulation I have lots of problems with post-tribulation. I'm gonna share with you why. Mid-trib, I'll explain why in just a little bit on why. So those are the three. I believe that God is going to, the word rapture means to be carried away. I believe at, at some point in the future, before the tribulation starts, that God is gonna carry the church away. <sighs> it's a lot. Here's some proof on why. I believe pre-tribulation rapture. There's gonna be a there's gonna be verses behind me. I would love to read and ex ex. Uh, do an exposition on each of these, uh, but I cannot. I don't have enough time. But here, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. If you want it, write it down, read it. Um, It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise, imperishable, and we will be changed. Speaking about this moment of change, which really doesn't seem to go with anything between verses chapter 4 and chapter 19 of Revelation, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, this church in Thessalonica, they are worried about what happens to those who have already died. So Paul comes in, he says, At the trumpet, when the when the trumpet sounds, those who are dead will rise, and then God will take the others with him. That's in First Thessalonians chapter four. Uh, right Chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. Read those. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 2 says, "For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night." Here's another reason why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. We know that it, the Bible says that every eye will see and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that everybody is going to see, yet both here and in other passages it says that, but yet there's going to be this moment that Jesus comes like a thief in the night, that nobody saw it, nobody saw it coming, he came and he left before anything happened. That's another reason why, that this, this thief in the night. It says, uh, this is another reason why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath. We know that the, that the tribulation is going to be wrath on earth, God's wrath. There's going to be terrible, terrible things that happen, as we're going to study in the next coming weeks as we dive into. But here it says, for God has not destined us for his wrath. God didn't make us. God doesn't want us to go through his wrath. It's another reason why I believe it. First Thessalonians chapter or second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 and verses 6 through eight the church in Thessalonica they think they missed the tribulation they think they missed God's coming they're like whoa we missed it and um, Paul says no here's what's got to happen first there's a man called the Antichrist there's a man he says the uh, the lawless one the Antichrist he has to come first he says but before he comes, Actually, no, he has to come. Before he comes, the Holy Spirit is taken away. So it's this, we, we, we know that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And then again in 2 Corinthians, I would love to dive more into these. We can discuss more. You can email me, jeremiah at PHX if you have any questions. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, again it says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Revelation chapter three, verse 10, it says, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. That's why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Here's the reality. Jesus is thrown no matter what I believe. I could be completely wrong. It's not worth fighting about. Lots of churches, they this is a huge thing where they like, if you don't stand here, you don't believe in Jesus, I'm sorry, I believe Jesus is king. I sure hope I don't go through the tribulation. It doesn't sound fun. I've read Revelation, but here's what I do know. At the end of it, Jesus is still on his throne. Jesus reigns as, He reigns as king of kings and the Lord of lords. I know that Jesus will never leave me before, nor forsake me. I know that he will give me everything I need to get through any kind of trial or tribulation I go through. That's the truth that I know. Now back to Revelation chapter four. I know that was probably a lot for some of you You're like what the did he just say anybody completely lost if you are that's okay cuz I've been studying this for months and I read a whole book on the three different views and these guys who like discussed and debated and trying to cuz I grew up in one church style where they only taught one thing I'm like I want to know what do I believe like where do I stand so I had to read, and my brain, it's, its I read a lot. Like You should see how many books I read every week. They're in my, you can kind of show you them all someday. It's like stacks. I come home, my wife is like, how are you doing? I'm like, my brain hurts. They all, they're not all on Audible. None of the books I'm reading are on Audible. Audible two times fast. Any, anybody ever listen? To, you know, my ADD friends. It keeps us focused. None of my books are on it. So now back to Revelation chapter four, verse three. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald uh, in appearance. So John is in the throne room. He cannot see the person on the throne But what he sees is these lights. He sees these images. He's trying to describe it in terms that he says. And he describes it as a jasper and as a sardis. It's like a ruby, a red stone and a clear stone. And I know somebody came up and said, Jeremiah, the jasper stone's not this. I go, I understand that. But in biblical times, it seems like maybe we've changed our, our description of rocks or stones. We've changed, which we've done that in definitions of what we call things. But he sees this radiant, bright image of the throne. And around the throne, he sees a rainbow, but the main color he sees is this green emerald color of the throne. These colors that he's seeing, they symbolize they symbolize purity and judgment. They symbolize God's power and authority and the rainbow around God's throne. He's saying, Just like my rainbow shows that I'm faithful to keep my promises, I am still faithful even when judgment comes. I will still love, I'm still just. Have you ever seen somebody just go and they just raise ruckus and they destroy things and they have zero justices in there, just wanna kill and destroy? God's saying, I will still be just. I am still faithful and I will still keep my promises. Verse four. Around the throne were twenty-four elders, and upon th- upon the thrones I saw twenty-four. 24- no, I'm sorry. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon those thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. There are some. There's some confusion on who these twenty-four elders might be. Here's what we know. We know that throughout Scripture, the number twenty-four symbolizes or usually represents a larger group of people. Sort of like, you know, every state has two senators. Those two senators represent our state. So they, I have two senators. What are there? Kirsten Cinema and Mark Kelly. Are they my, are my senators. Um, they're my senators. Um, and they represent. Our state, each state has an electoral college. They represent our vote. The number 24 throughout scripture is speaking of a group of people that represent a larger group of people. So the question is who are they representing? Some people believe that they're representing angels, that these are angels. My, my issue or my problem with them representing angels are a couple things. One, it's how they're described here and in chapter five. They're described in white clothes. White symbolizes being redeemed and purified. Angels were not redeemed and they're not purified. Angels are where God made them. So I, I don't, it also says they wore crowns. Nowhere in scripture do we see angels wearing crowns. People wear crowns, but not angels. So it seems that it really can't be angels. They were not given any of these things. Angels are gonna be seen throughout this book, but never described this way. Some say it's Jewish leaders. The problem with that is, we know that the Jewish people are still gonna go through this tribulation in Revelation. We're gonna see in chapter seven that they're going through it and that God is going to appoint 144,000 of them to be set apart for him. So the belief that they were Jewish leaders, it's hard to reconcile that because we know that Jewish people go through the tribulation. The Bible says that they're blinded right now, that they chose not to follow the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They chose not to believe in him. And because of their Choice not to believe in him; that for a time they will be blinded, but God is going to bring in the Gentiles. That's anybody who's not a believer in Jesus. That's anybody who's not a Jew. But then God will again allow them to the Jewish people to see Jesus, and their lives will be changed. So I don't think that this is representing the Jewish people. Some believe that it identi- that this represents old and New Testament believers. It is. It is. Somehow it's God-picked. We don't know how or who, but it's it's symbolized of, of believers in Jesus Christ. I tend to lean more towards that. Here's why. One, I know that God, throughout Scripture, God gives the Christian believers in different times. We see that they are represented wearing white garments, speaking of purity and speaking of being redeemed by his blood. We know that in Scripture that Christians are given crowns for their faith in God and the decisions they make because of those things i that's why i believe this now as it talks about the crowns the bible uses two specific words for crowns the first word is diadem this crown speaks of a crown given to rulers or sovereigns this is given to queens kings or queens or rulers the diadem crown and then there's the stephanos crown which is was given at the royal at the the Greek games, the Grecian games, and it's the victor's crown. It was a crown that was given to somebody in one of those, like the Olympics, where they would give a crown of sometimes gold, sometimes made out of like a a wreath type of thing, and that was a symbol of victory. That is the word that John uses in this text in Revelation chapter 4, that these 24 elders are given victor's crowns, and we know about victor's crowns are those who have victory over sin. The reason we have victory over sin is because of Jesus' death on the cross. And they worship the king. Verse 5. I hope I haven't lost everyone. Out from the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. John is always bringing our focus back to the throne of God. He's always helping us remember Jesus, God the Father, he's on the throne, he's reigning. He is king of kings, he is Lord of lords. He has not lost that. And this imagery of thunder and peals of lightning happening happening if you if you read the old testament at all in exodus chapter 19 verse 16 we see the same imagery i just read it in my devotions um this last or couple last week as i'm reading through the bible and just this imagery of god and his power i'm reading this book right now about angels and demons and spirit forces and it's really interesting book it's very different um But as I've been reading this book, it's allowing me to see there's this spiritual world that's throughout the whole book of Revelation. Not book of Revelation, the Bible. In the Bible, you know, when we talk, it talks about like Jesus coming in the clouds or God being mighty of the clouds, different thing of clouds. I don't know how many of you know this, but there's a God in the old times named Baal. Actually, people still worship him today. We just don't see it, but they still worship Baal. He's the same image, same God, there's videos There's videos of celebrities worshiping him. Um, there's videos of, just. it's just, it's an image. And this God is, is a God, one of the things he's known for is being the God of the clouds and God of the sky. But when you see different images of God and different verses that are written throughout scripture, we see that, that David writes and he came in the clouds. He's not just saying that we read it and I'm sure we all have, because I've done the same. That Jesus—it's just like clouds; like it means nothing. The clouds—it's just like you have to go through the clouds to get to Earth. It's almost like if you're playing football, you have to go from the ten-yard line to the twenty-yard line, to the third. Well, if you depend on which way you're going, but you want to get to the end zone, so you have to pass through things. No, when he's saying he's God of the clouds, he's saying your God Baal, Baal. You think he's God of the clouds in the sky? But God is the almighty God of all things. Statements are being made. Truths are being said. They're not just verses. It's not just these statements of these things that are said in the Bible that are cute verses that say, okay, God is God." no, he's making these statements. So here it's this moment of power and authority of God's voice. These flashing of lightning, the sound of peals of thunder, these seven lampstands of fire, uh, represent the Holy Spirit. The number seven throughout Scripture speaks of perfection and completeness. Throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is rarely ever seen as a person. The times that we see the Holy Spirit, he he's in some kind of symbol. When he came upon Jesus, um, when Jesus was baptized, he came in the form of a dove. When the Holy Spirit came upon the people at Pentecost in the upper room, he came in the form of fire tongues of fire. And here throughout Scripture, we're going to see different moments where the Holy Spirit is represented. The last one, was lampstands. Today, it's these lampstands of fire again, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. Now, we see these four images. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass like crystal. Many believe that this sea of glass in the Old Testament, the, the Jewish people in their temple, there was this brazen altar that symbolized your way of, of, for your sins to be washed away and for you to be forgiven. Many believe that that's what John is seeing here. The thing is, John doesn't focus on that sea of glass. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature was like a calf, the third creature had the face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, amen. So John now turns his focus to these these living creatures, these these living beings that are before him. Some of your translations might say beasts. That's a poor translation. They are living things. They are living living beings that God has made. Now, many times these are four these are angels that we're that we're seeing. These are angels here. Many times this is how we picture an angel: cute, cuddly chubby, typically naked. Um, That's what we see, right? And you have the little, like, those little figurines. My grandma used to, Larry's grandma, somebody used to collect them. I don't remember what they're called, little moments or something like that. Precious moments, little demon things. (laughs) I'm kidding. If you break one, you sort of feel bad, like, okay, good God, am I, are we okay still? I broke one of your angels, like, are we still? This is how society wants us to picture angels. No, 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 no. Whoa, go back. Oh, go back. Wrong way. There you go. Stay at these two for a little bit. Thank you. So this is typically how society wants us to picture them. Soft, gentle, feminine. Like these these beings that are, are not at all, when you read scripture, it's not at all how it's pictured. Carly is our graphics designer here. She's our creative. If, if I were to say, I want you to draw an angel, she would not draw this. I'd say, I want you to look at these passages, which are right here. I'd say, I want you to look at these passages. So these passages are all passages that speak of angels. I want you to read those, and I want you to draw me what you see. She would not draw some cute, chubby little babies. She would not draw some weird dude thing with soft skin and white flowing hair. That's not what she would draw. Because that's not at all how scripture defines the angelic beings. We see here that there's this lion, one has the face of an eagle. He's trying, he's doing his best to help us understand what he's seeing, but he can't. He says there's eyes all around. Here's two other images now of what artists have rendered. Now we know the drawing of God, he shouldn't have done that because we have no clue what God looks like. It's a white being. But we see here these angels, and there's eyes all around them. Can you show me the next one now? It's, it's, it's something more like this is going to be this radical, these radical beings of sheer power and authority that John is trying so hard to get us, the readers, to understand these angels, they're not these these flowing. And we have no what we know is almost any time an angel is mentioned in scripture, every single time the person that sees an angel, what what happens? They are in fear and they fall down. If a chubby little baby came to me, I wouldn't be scared and I definitely wouldn't fall down. I'd be like, "What in the world are you?" If some flowing, I might be scared of the other one. I'm like, "Why are you in my bedroom right now? You glowing." Woman, man, thing. I might be more fearful in the way of, honey. That's really, I didn't. It's not. I don't know who this is. It wouldn't be fear of like your dreadful being. You read uh, uh, Ezekiel, and it's this, it's this wheel with wings and aimed and eyes all around. It's these. It's this imagery that we cannot understand. So John is is seeing this and. In scripture, we see in Isaiah chapter six of this angel, these angels who have six wings. It says with two of the wings, they covered their face. With two of the wings, they covered their feet. And with two of the wings, they flew. And what we see in this is when the wings covered their face and their feet, we know that out of all their wings, most of them are in the way of worshiping their king, Jesus. And these wings... These angels are proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Holy three times, this speaks of, of God's greatness and of God's power. God's holiness speaks of his complete separation from evil, his perfection in all things. The three holies speak of the, the trinity of God. God, God the Father, holy, God the Son, holy. Holy God, the Spirit, holy, 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 is what we're seeing. These angels, these angels are worshiping God, and they say, "God, you are Almighty," meaning you are the strongest, most powerful. There's no weakness in you. That's what this word "holy" means. It means there's there's no one can oppose Him. He is Almighty. I mean, this is what the word Almighty means. His strength and His power are overpowering. Nothing can compare to the Almighty holiness of God, and that's who these angels are singing to. I'd like us right now to read this verse together as a church and to say it out loud as if we were there in the presence of our great king right now. Read with me. Holy, holy, holy. Pause, let's start again. Read it like you believe it. I highly doubt the angels sounded like that. Remember, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's Jesus' loud voice, but yet somehow John hears this. So these four beings, how do you think? Do you think they've like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God? Almighty. Proclaim it. Whoa. Let's read together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Can you, are you seeing what I'm, you are not seeing what I'm seeing. I don't, but are you putting yourself in this moment? The holiness, the awesomeness, the the beautiful power of God. And then it says in the, the 24 elders will fall down before him, before him who sits on the throne and they will worship him with their, who they will worship, Um, and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. And so we I have this other image now that I want to show you. Sort of maybe what what this might look like. Now this is an artistic artist rendition. If you have the, the throne room of God, the rainbow, the 24 elders. And if you can see in the background, you have these other worshipers because when we Come to chapter five, it says, and a myriad of people were singing out and loud. That's why I believe the church is there in this chapter. The church has already been taken. They're part of this worship before the tribulation starts. And so we have this crowd they're singing. There's another image here um, next coming up. I, I like this one. There's some of it's weird to me, but I mean, there's not a whole lot. I, I wish I could draw. But you have this image, this, this powerful imagery of God. And our attention now is drawn to the 24 elders. And what do they do? They immediately cast their crowns before the Lord. They worship him. And this is their proclamation. They say to Jesus, the king, they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. God worthy of our worship. God worthy of our praise. God worthy of the lives that we are to live for him. God who created all things and all things exist and live because of him. This is the scene in heaven and God is still seated on that throne, still ruling and reigning today. Nothing moves God from his throne and nothing rattles or worries him. When we worship in this room, we're worshiping the same great king of kings, the same great Lord of lords. God has not changed. He is still almighty. He is still most holy. And that's who we worship in this room. And I ask you, who do you sing to when you sing? Do you worship a mighty God? Or is he more like a boss sitting across the desk from you? because I think that's the false image many of us have in our hearts, is God's more of a boss. Occasionally he tells us good job, but he's out there just to punish us. But God is so much bigger, so much power, more powerful. He's not just waiting to approve and to give us a paycheck. God is the almighty wanting to love and care He is our king of kings and he is our Lord of lords and he deserves our worship. And I want this place to be so loud of worship of him that Josh can't even hear his guitar because we proclaim worship to a holy, most awesome God. I would love for this room to sound that loud because what we do when they lead us in worship, that's just practice for heaven. That's all it is. You may think, but I sound bad. I highly doubt anybody's going to notice how bad they sound. I love when I'm sitting by a dude who has a terrible voice. Have you ever been to like a men's retreat? Ladies, you've never been. But maybe you can relate to a woman who has a really bad voice. I never met one. Um, Kidding, but hearing a dude sing as loud as he can to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's nothing like it. Hearing a room of people singing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, there's nothing like it. When the worship team can hear you over everything they play, they're like, okay, we're not distracting you anymore. The goal of the worship team is to not be a bug on a windshield. But they shouldn't be the loudest thing. So over the next few weeks, I want to encourage us to say, hey, God, help my heart be a heart of worship. We have these four things that are before you. The four just weeks what this looks like. And I want to encourage you. Say, God, okay, do something. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a promise. I, I know that if you do this, God will meet you in a special way. God will do something. And I just expect from him. Expect him to meet you. And I know he will. He will refresh you, restore you. Rejuvenate you, and it'll be a great thirty days. This next song that the worship team is gonna play is actually comes straight from Revelation chapter four and five. I was reading one of my commentaries. I, I have like I, I don't know, like ten different ones. I'm reading. One of the writers died year, years and years and years ago. He wrote, and he's like, I don't know why nobody's ever written a song from Revelation. He goes, it's literally the lyrics are there. And I'm like, you, I, one, I look going, there was no song written? I don't know. I'd have to look to see when this guy passed away. But at some point, from that point on to now, somebody wrote a song. And it's called Revelation Song. And it just takes the lyrics from these two chapters and turns it into singing. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing that song together. Lord, thank you. God, you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords. You are almighty. You are good. You are awesome. God, you are holy, holy, holy. I pray that we would see you that way at all times. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.